There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Depending on your perspective on things, this episode will either make you really uncomfortable Maybe make somebody out there mad, but for most of the folks that listen to this, I think this conversation with my man Alex DePazzo from South Florida is going to be encouraging, inspiring, maybe a little bit, you know, self-reflective of of what you can do better in your market and your circle of peers and friends and whatnot. We are getting into the weeds on the DEI conversation, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Alex, thanks so much for being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me, brother. You know, you are getting a lot of press. You've been on uh, on a lot of podcasts in the last few months. I think a lot of folks are hearing your name for the first time. You're not seeking this kind of recognition and notoriety or anything, but you are speaking your truth, and, and it is really powerful, and that creates awareness where there may not have been any before, both for the subject at hand, but also for you as an individual. And Folks out there in listener land, just for some context here, Alex and I uh, first met in person at the One City World Tour event put on by uh, Bradley Flowers and Scott Howell. And uh, there was some stuff that happened there that we'll get into in this episode. Uh, But Alex and I were having an offline conversation and it occurred to me that we haven't talked that much about this subject on the pod and Alex is absolutely well qualified to have this conversation with me. So I abruptly and rudely terminated the conversation was like, Hey, do you mind if we continue this conversation for the podcast? Because I think a lot of folks out there would find it really interesting and engaging and relevant that we have this conversation. So there's the backstory in context. And now I'm just going to get back into it. Alex, where we left off, I put a mental note in here. We were talking about balancing the the freedom of other people to live their life and do what they want to do with the responsibility uh, that we have as leaders in our communities, as owners of businesses, as people that hire other people, you know, finding where those lines are as far as action that we can take as individuals, as leaders versus just kind of taking a hands-off approach and not, you know, trying to dominate the conversation or, or shout at people 
like what happened in Austin, which we'll get into in a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's when the conversation of diversity comes up, it does tends to have people, you know, there's just so much around it and everyone comes from it from an experience. It's very, very different. Yeah. And and so if you add in the clickbait world that we live in today, the polarizing nature of social media, the real work that should be done gets lost, right? And, and then sometimes the conversations that we want to be having aren't the conversations that we are having. We start arguing about the minutiae versus talking about the re- very real issues that can help our businesses grow. And not only our businesses, it, it helps our communities grow. It helps us as individuals grow. And so a lot of times it's, it's a complicated conversation, heavily charged, depends on the individuals that are ta- you're talking to yep. about you know, things that they truly deeply feel and care about. But that doesn't mean we can't have that conversation. It doesn't mean that we can't approach it from a perspective of finding a way to help each other grow, help our businesses grow and reach those common goals together. And I think that that's kind of been what drives me into having these conversations. And I do tend to have a lot of these conversations. And I tell folks, the reality is, is I don't do it for any other reason that I didn't, I didn't recognize there was a problem in the industry because I'm from Miami, Florida. Yep. And there's only one thing in common of everyone who lives down here. Everybody's from someplace else. So, you know, when we hear the statistics of the majorities of business owners in, in uh, the insurance industry are, you know, between the ages of 55 and 75 and uh, happen to be, you know, white males and this, that, and the other. That's not necessarily 100% my truth, right? My truth is actually quite the opposite of that. You know, I know quite a few mentors of mine that are female, Hispanic, or Latine business owners, uh, agency owners, or, or partners at the agencies. And, you know, you go beyond that, you see my, me and my dad, you know, dad migrated from Havana in 1970. You go further than that, and you start to see that that's just not necessarily the case here in South Florida. It wasn't until I left South Florida and started to do some work along with the big eye and the diversity task force at the time now council that I realized, hey, man, this is my truth isn't everybody else's. My eyes were open to, oh, my gosh, there is so much opportunity here for being able to help communities that need help and at the same time to be able to help businesses perpetuate, help businesses grow beyond what what their current processes are. And so it, it just... It became a very easy or a very simple decision for me to want to be able to have these conversations because I think that there's a lot of noise around it and there's, I'm not trying to minimize it. It's hard work. It's uncomfortable work when it's being done properly. Yep. But at the same time, it, it, there's so much value to every business owner that's listening to this to really start the process of just reconsidering some of the decisions we're making within our businesses that can help us go well beyond what we thought we were going or could grow. I agree. Uh, that is why we are here today. That's why we're recording this together. You know, I found it interesting that my good friend Nick Ayers uh, got you recorded and released it first. And part of me is like, dang it, Nick, you beat me to the punch. Now I'm going to be, you know, behind you. And, and anybody who's listening is going to be thinking about what, you know, you and Alex talked about. But hey, it is what it is, right? Uh, Nick brought up an excellent point that there has to be a certain amount of self-awareness 
from people that look like me in this conversation. You know, I am a cis, heterosexual, Protestant, white male who's living in suburbia, who happens to be upper middle class and socioeconomic status. I am the definition of stereotype nationally. I recognize it's not the way that it is in South Florida, but in most of the country, I literally am a walking stereotype in our industry. And I have to acknowledge that in this episode because we have a lot of listeners from a lot of different walks of life, plenty of folks that don't look or sound anything like me. So it's incumbent on me to acknowledge, first off, yes, I recognize their inherent biases that I bring to the conversation, uh, but I say that early so we can get that out of the way. I'm going to ask you two questions just to kind of set the stage and, and the frame for this conversation, and then we can just jump off the diving board and get into it. First, I'd love for you to give people a brief synopsis of your background, your professional journey to this point, whatever you want to share uh, them from a biographical uh, sort of context. And then secondly, if you would please, in your words, define what we're talking about when we say diversity, equity, and inclusion, when you talk about the diversity council for the big eye, what is that? What are we seeking to accomplish by even having this conversation in your words? Those two questions, and I'll sit back and listen. Um, I mean, it's about me, I, you know, born and raised here in Miami, Florida, will likely die here. I love it. I feel blessed to be in a place that is as diverse. Uh, and it, as is probably evident, it really does form a lot of my worldview. Got into the industry because my family was in a different industry. Uh, they were all in the clothing manufacturing industry. And the changes in, in the way that the taxes work and this, that, and the other during the 90s, NAFTA, that just didn't work uh, as well as it did. It wasn't as profitable. So my father closed that business. Someone told him he'd be a good insurance agent, but he'd been his own boss since he was 21 years old. So it never occurred to him to work for somebody else. So he opened an agency about six months after that. He needed some free labor, being a good Cuban son. Uh, I said, all right, I could do that. And I fell in love with the industry. And now I've been doing it for 20, 24 years for me, 25 for him. Mm. Love and uh, yeah, man. And so that's, I mean, that's, that's who, who we are. We're, we've been a small agency that focuses on doing, you know, Main Street America, um, mostly commercial lines. And a little bit of personal lines for those those moments when we have to, but uh, you know, and we we work well in that niche because that's who my dad understood. That's who he was. He was a small business owner, a manufacturer, an exporter, an importer, and and so we we speak well into that that niche, that kind of uh, demographic, and that's kind of what we've been doing uh, all over the state of Florida, and you know, now expanding to Texas and Georgia, little by little, um, you know. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is, is, a, is a difficult thing to define. It kind of means something different to everybody. But from the perspective of, of I think, with this conversation, what we really should be talking about is diversity is differences within groups of people. Okay? And those differences can be almost anything. It, it doesn't have to be uh, those kind of more common things that, that, uh, that folks tend to lean on. right? So it doesn't have to be race. It doesn't have to be necessarily ethnicity. Um, it could be education, it could be age, uh, gender, obviously. Um, it can be, you know, what part of the country you're from. It can be your ability uh, to individuals who are autistic or neurodivergent, right? All of these things are diverse, right? They all speak to a different part of the communities that we are all serving. Um, and, and regardless of the demographics in your particular community, there are pockets and segments of that community 
that are underrepresented or, or maybe don't have as, as the reach that, that some others do. Uh, and so the questions that diversity talks about is how do we incorporate that into our businesses in a way that those individuals can see themselves being customers or employees or even just, you know, individuals who like, you know, are raving fans of your business and be able to include that as part of the culture of your business so that your business can grow. And, and again, diversity is just being different, right? Inclusion is a little bit of a different story. So inclusion is, is okay, now we have a group of diverse individuals all working together. Are they included to be at the table, right? So are there only you know, allowed to be uh, to make certain types of decisions, certain types of roles. And this does occur. It doesn't know it doesn't always occur nefariously, right? So let's throw that out the window, right? No one's talking about evil people. Evil people suck, and regardless of how they choose to be evil, they will always suck. It, that's not the point. We're, we're what we're talking about are good people who are trying to make good decisions for their business, right? Sometimes because of systems that that they don't even realize exist processes that they don't even realize are accidentally uh, exclusionary or maybe just questions that they were too afraid to ask. There are, you know, there, there aren't, everyone isn't given the same seat at the table. So inclusion is about how do we find a way to create an opportunity for those all to have the same, you know, level of stake. And equity is understanding that regardless of who you are or where you come from, everybody's got a little bit of a different position where they start the race. You know, a lot of times I would say when I was part of the Big Eye Council that I am most likely the most privileged person in the room, which is odd for some people because I don't necessarily fit exactly the stereotype that you mentioned you, you happen to fall into, right? Which is the first thing people think of when they think of privilege, right? That may or may not be true. And I'll tell you why, because in my case, I am born in the United States. I speak two languages fluently. I feel just as comfortable in a room full of people like you, or I feel just as comfortable in a room full of people who are, you know, more, say, you know, Cuban, because that's where my family is from, or almost any other ethnicity, simply because I've been exposed to so much of it. So I can move between these groups very comfortably and feel at home. And because I've had the opportunity to constantly check all these personal biases, I've learned how to you know, fit in while at the same time taking some of the good and, and leaving some of the bad and just kind of like be able to use all of these experiences as part of who I am, which then obviously leads to what my business is going to do. So equity is realizing that not everybody has the same starting point, yeah. right? Some people are going to be like me, right? I didn't go to college. I barely graduated high school. I got my good enough diploma because my wife made me do it. My girlfriend at the time. And, you know, if I was looking for a job today in some of these larger corporations, that would be considered an automatic no. But I can tell you that because of my experience in the industry, thankfully, I feel that I have the privilege and the ability that maybe some automatic no's would not be no for me anymore, simply because they've gotten to know me and realize that the skill set that they're looking for may not necessarily have been something I would have learned in college. I learned in a different way. Mm. And so just as one example, right? So my starting position is different than maybe someone who, you know, went to a, a well-known college and those two applications look similar, except I don't check all the boxes and they may check all the boxes, but which one of us is the better for the organization? Well, that's where equity comes in, right? So it, it's, it's a, it, it all works in tandem. 
And you're more than just the sum of your on-paper parts. You can't hear the words equity or equality, and there's a very big difference between equity and equality. Huge, massive difference. It's very difficult to hear those words and not, in some level, insert a political component to the conversation because so often we hear from elected officials at the the local, the state, and the federal level about the importance uh, of equity and equality. And the application of these concepts, I feel like, is where people come from different agendas, different backgrounds, different political preferences, can take those concepts and apply them in dramatically different ways. Uh, I was born and raised in Texas, which is a deep red state. Both of my parents would identify as strongly conservative people. And so when I hear equality or equity, I'm immediately a little bit more, what do you mean by that? Let's set the ground rules before I say anything about what my thoughts or feelings might be. Because I want to make sure that what you mean by equality and equity is the same sort of thing that what I mean. For me, it, it goes down to not equal outcomes, because all of that is based on striving and you know effort and work and preparation, but equal opportunity to make sure that, perfect example what you just said, Alex, you don't have a college degree after your name, but you potentially have lots of other value and lots of other merit uh, to bring to a hiring conversation that may not show up on paper. It may not be demonstrated in the same way that somebody with Ivy League such and such after their name. But creating opportunities, not just the traditional ways that we look at diversity, you know, ethnic or, you know, the LGBTQ ecosystem has become so prevalent in the the discourse in recent years, largely because of a lot of activists uh, that bring it into the conversation that that continue to bring it up and make it a thing that people are forced to engage and forced to talk about, uh, in part because of you know folks like our, our friend from San Diego uh, we met in Austin, and we'll get to in a little bit. When you say equity or equality, like help me understand your perspective in the context of the industry, whether it's a hiring opportunity or promotion or compensation or anything to do with the whole equal outcomes instead of equal opportunities context. I know that's a lot. So take that anywhere you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it really has to do with having the conversation of understanding that, for instance, if you were going to hire me, right, versus that person with that with that college degree, right? There's going to be some difference in what I may need that person, right? The question is, and and you're right in considering when, when we're making that hiring choice, outcomes are very important, right? We want to reach a certain goal. All right. And so in order for me to reach that goal, I may need something that that other person does not need. Right. Because though I may have all of the know-how of how to run an agency because I've been doing it for so long, I may not have, let's just use a network as example. Right. So one of the benefits of going to a larger university are the networks that you build while you're there. Okay. And so I, that, that's not something that I have naturally, because I didn't have that experience of, of, in that process, right? So I may need more assistance with having, how, learning how to build a network, right? So equity really is having the conversation of saying, well, is it valuable to help this person in a way that I won't have to help that person? Because there's a need there, assuming that they're going to get the outcome that we're looking for, 
you know, one of the really interesting questions people say a lot of times is, you know, or ask me a lot of times is, well, well, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to be more diverse or if I'm trying to, to create a more equitable situation, why, you know, how about if I don't have that near me or I don't have that access? So then my question to them is always just like, well, it really only depends on who you're trying to reach, right? So if you're trying to reach a more diverse audience for because you, you want to grow your book of business in areas that you don't necessarily currently have your book of business in growing, you really, your best bet is to invest in someone who can help you grow that book in that area. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you may be hiring someone and providing them uh, something that you maybe didn't provide to a third party because they're starting line uh, to a different employees because their starting line just happened to be a little bit further back, right? And so equality is a conversation of putting everybody on the same level. Equity is understanding that we're not all coming from the same level and that sometimes in order to be able to help them reach the goals that you're trying to get them to, you need to help offset that in one way, shape. Right. Yep. And so knowing that if someone comes from a household that maybe there's a, it's a single parent household, they're not going to be equitable to a person who has a two parent household, nor will it be equitable to a person who's able to afford to have their spouse at home with, you know, and help with the, with the household and child giving. All of those people's times are going to be completely different. So equity is keeping that in mind and understanding where the flexibility of your business needs to be in order to make sure that they all truly have an opportunity to reach the goals that you set for them. I think you hit the nail on the head there at the very end with that word flexibility. And I I had the privilege of being in Michigan earlier this week presenting to Big Eye Michigan. And one of the things we talked about in my keynote was challenging assumptions, considering alternatives. Before you implement a new idea, there has to be some analysis fairly early in the process to pause, stop the train in the tracks, and go, before we proceed, let's make sure that we've considered the alternatives, we've challenged whatever assumptions we're bringing to the conversation, and that we're proceeding with open eyes, and that we are aware of the bigger picture, that we're not too zeroed in on a limited perspective missing what could be a great and potentially even better opportunity than we're, you know, predisposed to just kind of run to. You know, you said flexibility, and the first thing that comes to mind for me is the, the workplace. You know, three or four years ago, it was fairly uncommon for the insurance industry to have a hybrid or work-from-home workforce. And now, well, it's probably, if not the majority, it's close to the majority of people in the industry have either a hybrid or a work from home flexibility. That never used to be the case. But, you know, it it goes beyond just that, obviously, when we're talking about flexibility. But I I can't help but think that that one quality of operational flexibility, of intentionally challenging assumptions and norms, that has to be a really valid skill to bring to this DEI conversation, right? Well, it is. It's it's always about looking at, you know, uh, looking at it from the perspective other than your own, right? And I call it checking your bias, right? I check my bias all the time. We used to have a storefront. We basically do most of our business virtually today, but we used to have a storefront. And I would often sit in the chair at the front of the store and where my customers would sit and look in. And my dad would look at me like I was kind of crazy. He's like, what are you doing? And I'd said, I, I'm looking at this from my customer's perspective. And I was really trying to understand 
what they might be thinking yep. when, while they're sitting there waiting for something. Because I have a goal in mind, right? So I need to understand that perspective. And so you do that across, you know, multiple different portions of your business while you're making accounting decisions and or, you know, how you accept payments. You know that if you only accept payments online, uh, that's credit card heavy, but you don't have a very credit card heavy book of business, meaning people who can pay that way, then that could hurt your bottom line or you're creating a shift in the way your businesses work um, versus if you're mostly dealing virtually the way we do nowadays, you know, if you don't have that option, what are you losing because of the inconvenience of someone having to mail in a check or something of that nature? Um, and, and I know that those things aren't the normal conversations that we're having when um, we should, when people are talking about diversity, but stop for a moment and think about it. There are communities where, you know, a credit card isn't their normal way of paying. And there's a reason for that. They're under-resourced communities, communities that are maybe only second generation, first generation individuals who, who immigrated here and their children were born here and they're trying to build a life for themselves, but they hadn't learned how to use finances the way that you and I were, were blessed to be able to do so. So if you're trying to reach that, you know, those, you know, maybe small businesses, you have to look at it from their perspective and, and try not to fall into some of the simple, like you said, some of the assumptions we make simply because, oh, they're this, that, or the other size of the business, education level of the person, or maybe their accent in which they speak with and just throwing things out the window. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who is it, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. I'm going to just transition to the Austin thing because I don't know of any smooth way to, you know, have some sort of like bridge statement to get us there. You know, part of the schedule, part of the agenda in in Austin at the One City World Tour was a a panel uh, that had three people on it, yourself and two others. One of them, I'm not going to name names because he's not here to share his perspective or defend himself, so there's no reason to name names. He started the entire conversation the first time the mic was in his hand. He sarcastically referred to the audience as, was so glad to see a bunch of white men here today. And for everybody in the audience, honestly, it was a pretty jarring way to begin the dialogue. It was a conversation about diversity. So it's like, okay, that's an interesting way to begin this conversation. And, you know, without spending too much time seeming like I'm attacking the guy, he starts off by self-identifying as a gay Mexican vegan Jew and and then goes on to herald how his qualifications as an expert on diversity are broad and basically for this, most of the time that he was talking was browbeating the audience on how 
lacking we are in diversity and equity and inclusion and you know almost expressing just unabridged hostility at the entire ecosystem that he used to be a part of because he's no longer part of the insurance industry now he's left the industry he's working in technology now and i think you and i both were very much bro wait, let's there's a better way my man i where i, I love it, i love it, the it's heart it's not here. the approach right right i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to disparage him in any way yeah. other than to say it's not necessarily the the approach i would have taken mm-hmm. um simply because i am always trying to find ways to to build conversation right so yes my process is to always or I have found that I can move the needle by building conversations, right? I'm not really trying to convince people about, about the conversation we're having. What I want them to do is start having the conversation. And naturally, they're going to slightly start to convince themselves of some of these things, these realities that they can, uh, you know, little changes they can make within their sales, within their businesses, mm-hmm. and, and, and great opportunities that can come from it, right? And, and so I, I definitely agree can tell you that you weren't the only one in the audience that felt the way that you did. Yeah. You know, and I don't think it's difficult to have a conversation by starting the conversation from a um, either a defensive or an offensive position, right? Because yep. it's not a it's not a football game. Yep. And and sometimes we, you know, as human beings, this is the the approach we take to these things, right? On on all sides. There is no no part of this conversation that some side doesn't take it to that point where it's an offense or a defense versus a a group of people trying to build something together. And it makes the conversation, it can, it can, under certain circumstances, make the conversation very difficult. I do understand his perspective. Like I, I did really, like, since I, I got an, a little bit of opportunity to learn about him before the whole audience did, um, I, I do comprehend the perspective that there are some people who've been doing this for a long time and they felt that they needed to leave the industry because of how they had been you know, the process treated them specifically. Marginalized or underrepresented or mistreated in some way. And then their the, the response is sometimes not exactly pleasing, yeah. um, you know, to, to say the least, right? But to add to that, I mean, to, to add to what you were saying, to what your point is, right? If, if we're trying to build a conversation, we need to include the audience as a part of that conversation mm-hmm. so that when you're going back to your offices, well, we did exactly what we did, right? I, I reached out to you and said, hey, James, I'd uh, love to have a conversation with you. If you give me some time, you did it. You were very gracious and did so. Yeah. And through that, we realized all of the myriad of things you and I have in common that we didn't realize before this convers- that conversation. Yeah. And then we said, you know what? We could do something fun together. We can, we can keep this conversation going. We can make this conversation and amplify the message in a way that we weren't, that just you and I doing it together works. And it, it is such a complex thing. And I want to I dig into this a little bit and, and explore some of the nuance here because I've already acknowledged my you know, potential biases in the conversation. It was such a conflicted feeling. I was feeling a lot of complex emotions at the time because on the one hand, I was offended that he took that tone mm-hmm. and was like, bro, that's unfair, one, and really counterproductive to what I think you're probably trying to accomplish here. Um, tactically, it seemed not a good move for for the, the goal of the operation. But then the human, the empathic side of me is hearing this person's pain, hearing this person's history of hurt feelings. And there's a whole lot 
of that that is behind those words. So from an empathic perspective, from one human to another, you have to acknowledge someone's hurt that's in their past where they've been treated unkindly by a lot of people. And I'm not going to stand in defense of anyone who is what I like to call an ist, sexist, raceist, you know, bigoted or whatever the other ists are, ageist. There's lots of ists. You just you just re- you just reminded me of Ferris Bueller. I don't I don't believe in anyism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the you said it, there's definitely some validity to the going on the offensive and lashing out at segments of the audience. What I, th- I found was very interesting was the lack of seeking to understand from his side of the conversation, making blanket statements. And when I had my mic in the, and the mic was in my hand, I said, hey, on my team, there are eight people on my team. Seven of them are female. Two of them are Latina. One of them is a lesbian. It was like, I'm the definition of diversity, pal. Like, I'd love to have the conversation. And the question that I asked him that I don't think I ever really got an answer on was, how do you suggest we go about getting better at this? What are specific action steps that you recommend that we take? And you and I have already had a way more productive conversation there than ever came from the stage, which is the reason why this episode on this podcast is getting recorded because the conversation definitely needs to happen. The approach that our friend from San Diego took, I don't think is a productive way to have that conversation because people that are inclined to be defensive are only going to be more defensive with that posture from the other side of the conversation. And people that are somewhere in the middle that are potentially open to having a, a better understanding of either you know, minorities or the gender identity or LGBTQ issues of lifting up some of those underrepresented populations and giving them better uh, voice, better representation, those people in the middle are kind of pushed back a little bit when that kind of really strong, hostile messaging is being put out there. So I love your approach because you're a lot more conversational. You're a lot more, hey, let's dig into this together. Let's collaborate. Let's put our heads together and be solutions focused. How do we bring other parties to the conversation? How do we find some of these people that are outside of the industry that have a flavor to add, that have different perspective, that have vision, that may not be present if we are just looking at the majority? So I'm not sure where the question is there. I'm just saying I really... No, I understood your perspective I, and, and I get it. And, and I, I love the fact that you engage that you know, empathetic part of yourself and saying, hey, man, there's a reason why this is the, the, his response to the action, right? Yeah. And I can't just immediately discard that. Yeah. And, and that's not easy to do. That speaks volumes of how many times you've practiced that. And because it's most of the time, the natural thing to do is going to be to go with that initial impulse we have, which is likely anger. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, not necessarily engaging in an honest conversation after. I think we're going to realize that whenever we want to have these conversations, none of them are going to look alike. They're all going to be very different because we all come from different perspectives, right? We have to give each other the, the freedom to be able to, no one deserves to be disrespected under any circumstances. This is not, if that at all sounds like what I'm saying, it's not. Yeah. 
I, I believe everyone needs to come from, you know, equity is about, about respect for each other. Uh, that means that I have to understand your perspective as much as you have to understand my perspective. And so I don't think that, that you know, I, I want to make sure that that's clear. But at the same time, we have to realize that not everybody's perspective is, has been as, as good as ours, yep. right? Has been as successful as ours. You and I share the opportunity to have been trained over our careers to be empathetic to the person on the other line and to learn to find different ways of engaging the person on the other side of the phone to help them understand their product, your products a little bit better, and help them make a good decision for their life or for their business. And so we have a ton of practice at that. Um, I think that's kind of one of the reasons I enjoy having these conversations because I, it reminds me a lot of having a conversation with a customer. Yep. Right. It's a conversation about growth. It's a conversation that we want both of us to leave successfully. Right. Their business to continue to grow. My agency to continue to grow. Uh, we want both of us to leave that conversation having learned something about each other, so that we're building connections beyond the obvious. Right. Me selling a product, them buying a product, so that we are building community and and a strength and and working together over a long period of time. And you know that a lot of that diversity work is almost exactly the same. Sometimes you're going to come across angry voices. And some of those angry voices really do have a, a rock to stand on, meaning that they've been beat up a little bit. Yeah. And their response might necessarily be the, the one that, that feels good, but it should still, there should still be a measure of, of, hey, I heard it, I listened to it, and uh, now this is how I'm going to respond to that. And, and I agree, given the setting, I take a different approach. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I, want, I don't want to discard anyone whose voice has been, you know, sub- oppressed, not necessarily on purpose mm-hmm. uh, or, or suppressed, not necessarily on purpose for a long period of time, who's finally getting an opportunity. And unfortunately, that response ended up being more violent, for lack of a better description, than, than I felt comfortable. Yeah. And uh, but again, I applaud you for being able to look at that from multiple angles. Your question was a very valid question. And I think I'd, I want to tackle that, right? So why or how do we start making these changes, right, uh, for our business? Well, first of all, I think it really starts with looking at your business. Yep. So what are your business goals? Are you just trying to sell another policy, which is not necessarily our business goals? Or are we trying to create a business that has some teeth, right, some, some length to it, right? We don't make money years one, two, and three. But years seven through 15 are all profit. And, you know, how do we do that? So who are we trying to serve? We're not just trying to sell another policy. We're trying to serve a group of people. So then whom are we trying to serve? Are we only serving the people in our immediate vicinity? Are we serving people um, in a larger geographic area? Are we serving people uh, of a certain means, right? Are are we serving people that don't necessarily, um, or, or, or their entire swaths of your ability to serve people that you're not taking advantage of. And then you start asking yourself questions of like, well, yeah, I'd really like to get, you know, I'd really like to start working with this part of the community, which I never had that opportunity before because I've got a great product for them. And, um, and I think it could really help them. And so then you have to start asking yourself a conversation about how do I reach that community, right? Yep. You know, is it being involved in the community? Is it hiring people that already fit within that community? And, you know, helping them grow your business within that community. And if I'm going to do that route, then what changes do I have to make within my my business in order to be able to attract those types of individuals to 
my business? You know, are those changes going to be cultural? Are they going to be um, uh, maybe what's being offered as a benefit? Is it going to be my hiring process? Is it going to be where I'm looking for these individuals? It's a step-by-step process. And, and And I'm being vague on purpose. And the perspective is that depending on where you are, that's going to look very different for you than it would for me. Yeah. Right. I, I joke around, you know, people say, oh, what's your diversity plan uh, for your agency? I'm like, I answer the phone and I don't say anything negative to the person on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> because in my neighborhood, that's not as hard to do. Right. But in some neighborhoods, you're going to have to be more intentional about that if you're looking to grow outside of what your, what your existing book of business looks like. And there are ways of doing that. And there are plenty of resources to do that, like the Big Eye Diversity Council, um, who has a ton of resources, independentagent.com slash diversity. Please just spend some time there. They've put together a lot of resources, including mentorship programs that you could be a part of, resources on how to consider getting into specific demographics or attracting different specific, different demographics. Um, there are organizations that exist um, that are amplifying the voices of maybe some of these demographics that you're looking for, like the National African American Insurance Agents Association, the NAAIA, or the Latin American um, Insurance Association, which is the, um, the LAAIA. Um, and, and there are many more. Uh, we met Danielle at the One City World Tour, and, and all of a sudden the name of her women's organization uh, is escaping me, and I'm Wise, going to regret W-I-I-S-E. not remembering oh, I appreciate that. But... You know, yep. the work that she's doing within women within our industry is amazing. Yep. And and so, you know, if, if you're looking to try to figure out ways of hiring, you know, more women in your organization or have honest conversations about making sure that they're included, that they have a place at the table and that you're providing an equitable opportunity for them. That's a great place to start yep. um, having that conversation. And you have to be brave. Right. In the sense of you're now going to say, I'm intentionally putting myself in some uncomfortable places. Yep. And, and what does that mean? It means the same thing it meant when you opened your doors. It was never comfortable to make all those cold calls to the family members to try to write those policies that first time around. It was never comfortable to knock on those doors. You know, I, I've been doing this since I was 20 years old. I've had applications ripped up in my face because they, when they saw the youth in my face, they said, How could you possibly know anything about running a business? Rip up the applications and hand them right back to me. Um, That wasn't comfortable. Mm. But it didn't stop me from running, from creating something that I am very proud of and that feeds my children and, you know, provides for me and my my wife. And those being uncomfortable is something we're all pretty comfortable with. We just have to do it maybe in an area or space of of our business or life that we haven't done. You know... One of the the most important things that I heard you say in that piece just then was how important attraction is. And thinking in terms of how can we be more attractive to people that don't look like us, sound like us, etc. And of course, there's many different ways to be attractive. I can't help but think of times in, in the past, and you know, I hesitate most of the time on this podcast to get into matters of spirituality or religion or anything like that because they're so deeply personal and they're very subjective. I don't 
you know, long for controversy. Uh, there's things that I don't mind being controversial on, but I'm not going out looking for it. Uh, that being said, I think there's, there's a lot of similarity in this conversation uh, to the spirituality and religion conversation. When I think back to my childhood, uh, when I saw on the street corner people that were advocates, that were holding up signs that said, God hates fags. And I was so confused then because I'm thinking, I know God, I read the Bible, I don't remember him saying anything about hating fags. And then it's like, why would you say that about God? Why would you misrepresent the creator and tell people that God hates fags when he doesn't? Nowhere, anywhere in any sacred text, in the Bible, in the Quran, in any other religion, does anything come up about God hates X? And it's like, that's just not true. And, and looking at it from a, a mission, an overall objective is like, it's really counterproductive to approach the conversation that way. You're not going to engage anybody in conversation. Zero minds are going to be changed. It's like that person who goes on social media and just is spouting really inflammatory rhetoric of any kind. Pick it. doesn't matter what the objective, what the agenda, what the opinions expressed are. When they're expressed really dogmatically, no one engages in conversation. No one learns anything when you're that about whatever the message is. So when you talk about attraction, I'm just thinking, man, those rules apply equally to evangelism of whatever the flavor is. For me, it's evangelical Christianity and the way the Bible says we're supposed to live. But whatever someone's spiritual or religious beliefs are, the law of attraction is 100% accurate all of the time. Because if you're thinking, whether it's insurance or a DEI conversation, or sales, or marketing, or whatever it happens to be, the law of attraction is so critical. How are we going to engage in a way that attracts someone to either have a conversation with us, or consider an alternative viewpoint, or consider changing behaviors? Like It all goes back to attraction. How can we set aside personal bias and acknowledge the, perspective, the, the, the fact that we may not be the compendium of absolute truth, that there is other opinions out there that are valid, uh, that deserve to you know, have their moment in the spotlight and make things happen through that attraction. So I, I know I'm kind of sounding soapboxy when I say that. No, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult conversation. And, and you know, it's funny. So I will tell you just because my marketing brain turned on. Now, I happen to be an evangelical Christian also, right? So I'm Southern Baptist. This is the affiliation of the church I am and serve at and my kids go to and they serve at. And I do that just so that you have some context. Yeah. But the individual who was holding that sign is, is trying to attract someone. He's trying to attract other people who, who feel the same way about homosexuality that, that he feels, yeah. right? Or they felt. I mean, and, and so... Um, which is very, very sad. But at the same time, you know, to add to, the, to, to, to kind of add to what you were saying about attraction in, in a sense of obviously that's not going to work if you're looking to grow a divorce agency. Yeah. So then the question, so then the question is, how are you going to do that? Like, where are you making those differences and what's going to matter to the audience you're trying to reach? Right. Uh, for some people, it's feeling represented. 
right? You know, we have a conversation about representation, meaning that, uh, you know, you, you take uh, all TV shows made since the beginning of humanity and you look at the lead roles that happen to be, say, African-American as an example. And they're a fraction of what, you know, of uh, more, say, you know, white male or white female uh, lead roles would exist, right? And so when you, when you see what's coming up now, you know, Little Mermaid and the Little Mermaid happens to be African-American uh, in the live action movie, that representation means something to someone somewhere. Yep. Okay. And obviously Disney was looking to attract for that. That's, that was exactly their goal when they made that choice. They wanted to build that representation. Now you could like that idea or hate that idea. That may not necessarily be your approach, but the reality that it is an approach and that, that there are other similar things that can, you can do within your end, your business, like, you know, making sure that if you're trying to, you know, let's say you are trying to reach an African-American demographic because, you, you, you know, you know the community nearby, you, you believe that you can help that community the way you've helped all the other communities that you serve. And you may want to go out of your way to consider, you know, hiring someone who happens to be African-American and is in that community. Now, notice I said is also in that community, right? It's not a, a, a magical formula here that, that exists. You're looking for someone who's going to engage with those people that have similar life experiences so that those customers feel represented, right, in that process. Now, that's only one way of doing it. It may not be the right way for your business. It, you know, it may be the right way for your business. But my point is, is that when you're, when you're thinking about diversity, when you're, when you're thinking about equity and inclusion and how your business runs, you really just have to start to ask yourself those deep questions about who you're trying to reach and how you can most effectively reach them in a way that makes them feel like they can see themselves as an employee at your business or see themselves as a, one of the customers of, of your business. And there's no better example of that than Super Bowl commercials. Hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you take a little bit of time and just examine the masterfulness of Super Bowl commercials, and all of, the, all of the ways that they're trying to create a moment of engagement sufficient to last longer than the 30 seconds they just paid $2 million for. You'll see that um, sometimes they hit it out of the park, sometimes they don't, it's like anything else. But a lot of times there's a lot of intentionality that goes into these commercials. It isn't done, hey, you know, it, it wasn't one person who generally reviews it. There's an entire teams of people from multiple backgrounds, from multiple perspectives who are watching these to try to see if they can reach the intended audience. And kind of that's what we have to do. If we're not engaging with people who are think differently than we do and asking why they think that way and just have, being having the empathy that we are, we are trained to have within our industry to want to be able to listen to them and accept them for who they are, then you know, we're going to struggle trying to find solutions to building a more diverse business because doing what we've always done is not going to work, no. you know, and, 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 and it doesn't, it's not a negative reflection of the One City World Tour as an example, that the majority of people in the, in the room who were agency owners or a majority of the people in the room were agency owners and a, and a significant majority of those agency owners happened to be white males, Right. That doesn't reflect negatively on them. But when 
when you have the conversation about and there and you know and we have the honest conversation yeah I, I think you were one of the people who asked the questions what if we were just trying to do the right thing and hire the best person for the job agreed but statistically it's very difficult for that to be really worked out and that we're still having the same you know the the, the majority is still such a large majority without having any change so that means that somewhere along the line there's something we're not addressing and we need to figure out what that is Within your business, it'd be different than within my business. I have to address it as much as everyone else has to address it. But what this has to be addressed in order to truly create that change? I can't think of a better way to wrap this up if I were going to say another word. So is there anything else you want to say on any of what we've touched on? Anything you feel like we, we haven't put a bow on? Because I got to say, I just love the way that this conversation turned out. It feels complete for where we are right now and the points that we chose to bring up, you and I together. I'm good. Anything else that is unsaid uh, on your end? Anything else you want to put a bow on? You know what? I will challenge the listeners. If you felt that there was something that was left unsaid, look me up on LinkedIn, Alexander DePazzo, DePazzo Insurance. Have the conversation. Start a conversation with me. Get, you know, ask James. Keep the conversation going. That is what we're asking for, because if we do that, if we remove some of the stigma over talking about some of these things, we're going to build a better industry, better communities, and and we're all going to be able to get much further than we could have by ourselves. Love it. Now, he is Alexander DePazzo from uh, the great state of Florida. And uh, this has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Different tone for this one, and I'm not apologizing for it. Part of my responsibility as a somewhat elevated voice in our industry is leaning in on stuff that makes some people uncomfortable. So I welcome your feedback on this. If you feel like uh, Alex or I were just plain out of line anywhere in this conversation, I'd love to hear your take on it. I am open to all opinions on the subject. And you can reach out to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. We will make the resources available in the show notes here, independentagent.com slash diversity. If you want to get some of those resources, the Big Eye and the Diversity Council have been kind enough to put together for us. That's it for me, folks. Hope you make it a great day. We'll see you again next time. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. 
really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.